And I'm, I'm part of it. I mean, I'm a tour guide, but I hate see, seeing tourists around my, my house. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I'm in a sort of, I don't know, contradiction. All right, listeners of The Low Season, I'm going to leave you this week with a really, really good conversation I had with Stephanie Kiefer, because both on the professional and personal level, we had some really, really good talking points. Stephanie was born and raised in a place called Nîmes in France. In Nîmes, she worked in a museum for contemporary art before eventually moving to Berlin. That's about 12 years ago. 10 years of those, she has been working as a guide for a company called Vive Berlin. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about tour guiding and the impact of gentrification. We are part of this gentrification, even if we hate that and if we are victim of it. And one of the things I was quite interested talking with Stephanie about is the fact that she's part of a co-op, a corporation of tour guides that run their own tour guiding company. All of the guides own a share in the company and the decision-making process is done by all of them together. But I tell you, it's, it's not easy with 25 people. <laughs> and at the end of the conversation, we're going to talk about the options for a tour guide in Berlin when there's no tour guiding to be done. I'm just thinking that I have to find a new job and not working as a tour guide anymore. The audio quality is pretty sketchy and I'm at the point that I wouldn't really put this out anymore, but I listened to this conversation a couple of times and I think the topics are really quite valuable. So I hope you can bear with us. I present to you Stephanie Kiefer. How are, uh, how are you doing, uh, Stephanie? Oh, not that great, actually. <laughs> hmm. It's been uh, it's been a tough week, and um, yeah, I was thinking thinking a lot about the the future and how to reorganize uh, my life because uh, that's a point uh, now. I think that's that's a good moment to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah, a lot of thinking. Um, yeah, how how do we manage this uh, big crisis, and uh, what could be the option for the future? And yeah, so kind of a existential uh, crisis in the moment, <laughs> like a lot of people, I guess. <laughs> Was there like uh, something that we that I talk about with with people on the show? Um, because we're all from, from different countries. What well, was there a moment that you thought like, oh, you know what, I'd, I'd maybe rather be in France right now than in Germany? No, I'm pretty, pretty okay, pretty happy to be, to be right now in Germany. Um, it's, um, it's a difficult, it's a very difficult uh, situation uh, right now in, uh, in France. So um, I'm, I'm happy and I feel, I feel much more safe uh, here in Germany. Uh, than uh, if I would be in France, because here's um, the, um, the healthy uh, um, the hospital and everything. It's it's uh, really good. So there is not all this problem that uh, you can find in in Italy or in France or in Spain, for instance. So I think now it's a pretty good moment to be in Germany, and I'm I'm happy. And so far, all my friends and uh, parents are okay. So that's uh, that's the good news. What do you what do, what do you think? Like um, you have lots of people not traveling anymore in the, the distant future, or like not so much tourism. What, what does that mean? Why would anybody be upset if there there isn't any tourism? Of course, there is a big financial pressure there. I mean, Berlin has a lot of income and and does a lot of things with the money tourists spend here. But what what about 
tourism on a sort of cultural level? What does it mean if people don't travel so much anymore? I think I think people are going in the first place to be afraid uh, of traveling. I think it's a moment that we we will uh, rethink uh, the world and um, may, maybe turn in another in another way because we were such uh, before this uh, crisis started, the world was already in a huge crisis. I mean, a social crisis, uh, um, a climate uh, crisis. Uh, uh, as well. So now that we destroyed everything, um, <laughs> um, I think um, I think that we have to expect that uh, this that this this kind of situation and with virus and everything come back m- much more often. Yeah. What do you think? Like, okay, on the one hand, uh, you could say, well, lots of lots of people less traveling. It's very good for the environment because there's not many flights and stuff anymore. Uh, the other aspects, of course, financially for us, it's it's not great because we don't have a job anymore. Is it? But I'm I'm also wondering and talking to to guides about this. Like, is it such a bad thing that people are traveling less? No, actually, um, to be honest, I was uh, the last the last month or in the last year, I, I I was asking myself a lot of questions about about tourism because I was myself uh, traveling uh, a lot as well. And uh, going in in very famous places where there is a lot of other tourists, and actually I had this this bad um, this bad feeling that we were uh, destroying everything. Uh, for instance, last year I went to to Peru. Uh, I was visiting the Machu Picchu, which was one of my dreams since I'm like 15. So I was so excited to go there and was so happy. And then when I arrived, there was so many people, and I was just thinking, all these people, and I'm part of them. We are destroying this beautiful uh, nature and this beautiful uh, natural sites just by being there. So um, I, I was I was already having some kind of personal crisis with traveling and and tourism because I think it's normal that people want to to go around and to and to visit uh, different places if they can because they are curious and because it's a nice thing. But on the other hand, um, this mass tourism is really killing a lot of things. I mean, only if, if you think in a in a city. We were to- we are talking about uh, a lot about uh, gentrification. Even if it's a very very complex uh, situation, we are part of this gentrification. Even if we hate that and if we are victim of it, but tourism is is a part. Uh, is one of the aspect of this gentrification. Yeah, I think I think many many tour guides especially feel this because not only are they tour guiding people around. Um, in the city, but they're also often expats themselves, right? So they they, they feel this sense of shame or guilt in some way. They love the city. They love it, Berlin, but they feel like, oh my God, I'm I'm here in this city. I might not even speak the language that well. And I'm here bringing all these people around. And maybe the, the actual Berliners, the local Berliners don't like that so much. And I'm, I'm sort of part of that problem. And it's a very difficult thing, right? Because your livelihood depends on it. And it's, uh, I was, I was thinking, I mean, when, when I do my tours, for instance, I mean, places like super famous places like Brandenburger Gate or Mitte or Museums Insel, I mean, there is almost anybody living there. So it's only for tourism. So 
for me, it's okay. I don't, I, I don't feel like um, disturbing or ruining something when I go there with my tourists. But uh, as I'm living in Kreuzberg, which is really my favorite area, and I think you would be okay with that. <laughs> um, it's um, I really, I really love my, I really love this area, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of, um, of street art, and I do a lot of street art tour, and of course. There is a bunch of gravities and things, and I'm, I'm bringing the people here around. So I, of course, I love to I love to to show them all these places. But on the other end, I'm really shame when I'm when I'm around with like 25 people, and I I don't want to. So at the the last uh, month, we were reducing the groups because uh, I was absolutely not comfortable going around with more than 20 people, and even 20, it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, but if you want to earn money that's a problem eh? if you're not uh, working with um, VIPs uh, super expensive people who don't really like street art so <laughs> it's not really your your kind of clients um, you you have to be with big groups and I'm I'm part of it I mean I'm a tour guide but I hate see, seeing tourists around my my house <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm in a sort of I don't know contradiction oh no i think and i think you're this is something it's a conversation that we are all need to have and i think we're having this conversation now more than ever because there is no work we we're questioning what we want from our work as tour guides <clears throat> how we want to see it come back maybe in the future you know these are questions that are all on our minds right now hey i wanted to ask you 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 mentioned something about a co-op could you maybe talk a little bit about how you're tour guiding here in berlin and how does that work in this cooperation uh, 10 years ago there is a, a group of uh, spanish-speaking people uh, who were working for the free tours and were absolutely not uh, happy about that and they decided to uh, to, to create a home uh, company so they they chose them um, a cooperative and uh the idea was to uh, to make tours in uh, different languages so uh, we were touring in Spanish, German, English, and then came Italian and uh, Portuguese, and uh, we were the last one, the the, the French, uh, the French team. So I found this, I found this it was a, a great project because uh, instead of all being concurrent with everybody, we were all working together. Because at the end, I think you're not good working on your own. You need, you need to. I need to be in in a team. I need to be. Uh, surrounded with people doing the same thing of course they are concurrent in a way but uh on the on the other hand this um solidarity between the the people and the tour guide is it's for me very very important do, do you does everybody own a stake in in the company how, how, how does it work yeah, so you can you can work like uh, for one or two years as an independent uh, guide, but after two years you have to choose if you want to to be part of the cooperative, and then you you pay your your part, or uh, if you want to to be out. So that's your the, your decision. But I think two years is a good time to 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 make a decision. And how many people are in the co-op? Oh, yeah, that's a very good question. It was changing all the time. So, uh, I mean, let's say last year we were about um, maybe t 25 people, I think. And and, and I, I'm just uh, imagining that um, 
because you all own a stake in the company, you also all make the decisions together. How, how does that decision-making process work? Um, yeah, we do have uh, any any team, um, any lang- every, every language uh, got a team with um, delegates and uh, it's uh, delegates, I don't know what you're saying. Delegates, <laughs> a representative. Yeah, delegates. Yeah, representative, and you um, and these people is is uh, this person is in charge to uh, to organize um, to to be in contact with uh, with the clients and to to make the booking and everything, and it's kind of managing actually the the team. Um, and uh, when we take decision, where we have meetings, and then everybody when we have to vote for. For something, we are all speaking together uh, about the problems, and we are trying to find a, a solution. But I tell you, it's it's not easy with twenty five people. <laughs> no, no, no. This is what I'm also asking about, right? So, do you think do you think there's any advantage that you guys have within the co op um, over regular tour companies and people being not not employed but working as freelancers for other tour companies? Now that's the crisis hit or like is there anything that you were better prepared for you'd say no we are not and i think everybody i mean our cooperative was already a bit in the crisis before uh, before this crisis so um why why is that um yeah because uh i mean at the beginning there was the the spanish team was uh was holding the whole uh, the whole thing because they've got the most uh, clients but then the the concurrency uh, became very very hard and so we lost a lot of uh, clients and the spanish team wasn't doing that great so um yeah it was this moment where it was good to be in a cooperative in i mean that Okay, if Spanish is not running good, then we we are trying to develop the, for instance, the Italian and the and the French uh, and the French uh, team to have much more clients, so so that all the guides in the cooperative could have the same uh, the same salary at the end. Uh, okay, you you sort of um, you you don't get paid per tour or something like that. I'm just trying to understand how 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 it works. Or do you get a monthly paycheck or something like that? No, we um, we have paid with uh, points, uh, which means that um, at the we've got like, for instance, uh, four points for a uh, for a tour, uh, and uh, at the end of the month we just uh, look uh, how many clients we had, and we we give a value to this uh, to this point and uh, regarding how many uh, money we we made, and uh, and then we choose. Uh, how how much is the point? So it's 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 changing all the time. Actually, it depends depends on the month if it's been a good month or the bad month. And the good thing uh, that's what I liked with the cooperative because um, you guys you've got this this concept of high season and low season. I don't know that. I'm working all the years. So that's that's a good thing with the cooperative is that I'm working from January until December. So of course uh, there is moment like January that's very low, but uh, we are putting um, money uh, apart uh, for the for the moment for the winter, for instance, when there is less people. And during the summer we are we are making a lot of money, but we are not spending all this money. We keep it for the winter because we know that it's going to be uh, difficult. I, I think that's that's for example one of one thing that's very different from 
how most tour guides sort of work. I mean, you're you're responsible for your own money, and also making sure you're responsible for making sure you have enough to get through the winter, or have an insurance, or have a pension plan, and those kind of things. So that's what that's what I like actually. The cooperative is giving me work. I just have to say every every month, okay, I can I can work on this day, on this day, on this day, on this day, and then we share we share the tours and we do we do have a regular tour every day, and plus the private tour. So um, I mean, I was working all the time, and uh, for me it was a for me it was an advantage because I don't know how you do that, guys, but working every day as a tour guide during i don't know four or five months for the ice season this is so this is so tiring and this is so i mean i i could i i think i couldn't i couldn't work like this it's 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 just too much and then you you never know you never know how you how you pass the winter i mean that's um which which led me to our fantastic uh, precarity situation, <laughs> because actually that's um, that's the most uh, important thing. I mean, I don't know how you have been doing, but um, even if I'm working all the year, I I never know how many money I'm going to to make, and if there is some some kind of crisis, we are the first people. Um, touched by this so when you work with foreigners i mean if they can come to your country which happen a lot actually i mean for for instance with french people we had the this uh terrorist uh, attack and the um, uh, the school wasn't a, uh, able to to travel so we lost all the people um coming from uh, from the school uh, then a few years ago there was this this volcano in iceland we were doing like a huge cloud and there was no plane so nobody came i mean there is every almost every year there is a, there is a sort of crisis and we are we are the first uh, touch so is I was I was thinking and I'm still thinking a lot about this uh, this, uh, this 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 situation. What what are you what what are you thinking about specifically? Um, I'm just thinking that I have to find a new job. I mean another job and not working as a tour guide anymore, because uh, I just turned forty and um, it's I really love my job, but I I think I'm in the moment now that. Um, I need some kind of uh, financial uh, security, which I never had. And since since no, since now it was okay, but um, now I see how the how the city as well uh, change, and I'm afraid of that because I'm I I have the feeling that Berlin lost a lot of uh, its attractivity. When I mean what what I found attractive, all these alternative uh, places and all this freedom, all this possibility to do something um, parallel to the to the capitalism and to do to to be able to to go in a um, to to make a community or uh, to have a lot of projects of ideas. And I think that our government is killing it, is killing this um, alternative um, aspect of the city um, 
by by turning completely into the capitalism and i'm i'm very sad when i when i see all these beautiful and nice places were just closed down uh, the one after the other because like for instance clubs or um um a lot of uh, squat houses or a lot of nice places are just are just gone because uh, there is no place anymore in the city center for for this kind of of uh, also uh, other way to to live so um I'm I'm very sad about that uh, because I think it's one of the of the identity of the of Berlin and I think that a lot of people a lot of tourists are coming to Berlin because they don't have that in their city I mean look at like capital like Paris or London I mean there is not that much places like super alternative and because there is a bunch of people and um, and everything is for the money 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 money. And we had this fantastic bubble in in Berlin because of the of the Cold War and the uh, and the and the wall. And I think there was this fantastic time after the the nineties until now. But now my feeling is that it's it's almost over. And I I don't know. I I, I think I think the city lost lost a lot of of its attraction. And and now it just became more and more expensive and. And everything is hard. It's hard to find a job. It's hard to find an apartment. And when you get a job, you're not even pay well. So actually, what the point to stay in Berlin? <laughs> that's my reflection of the week. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. That those are some some of the more harder harder things to think about, uh, Stephanie. Some of the yeah more serious topics, right? That we're now confronted with. We are completely, and you know what? That's my decision of the of the week. Actually, I don't think I'm going to stay in Berlin, because if I if I want to find uh, if I want to stay in a city which become expensive, then I don't stay in the city where the economy is just really bad. So um, my idea now is to have a look uh, in West Germany because um, I don't. I think there is much more um, opportunity to find uh, to find another work, not as a tour guide, but as I don't know what. Uh, but I I think I'm I'm seriously thinking of of leaving Berlin and uh, maybe start a new life. I think this crisis is just sending us a lot of uh, signal, and um, it's um, I mean for me it's I think it's time to to start to start something new. I don't know how. I don't know where. Uh, I don't know when, but uh, <laughs> it was my my huge decision of this uh, of this week. So that's a big one. But you know what? I'm I'm happy to make uh, to make this decision because I was really the, the last week I was so so depressed and so just not 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 knowing which direction to go. How how to? I mean, it was really like no future. And I, I needed, I need action, you know, to, to do something, at least to have a, to have an idea to, um, to start something new. And so I arrived at this conclusion that, uh, maybe it's better to, to start to have a look, um, at other opportunity in another city. So. Well, Stephanie, I want to thank you so much for talking to me, for taking the opportunity to, to take the time to chat to me, but also to, yeah, speak quite frankly about what's going on in your head. You know, I think we're all worried about wh what we're supposed to do. And I think a lot of us maybe haven't arrived yet at the point of accepting that change is necessary or, 
yeah, I just simply don't know exactly where we're where we're going to end up. So I, I want to thank you so much for just yeah sharing openly and and sort of talking frankly and and maybe um, in the future we could talk again. You know, see see what um, yeah what what has actually come up of your decisions and if you're if you, if you decided to 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 stick to it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's anyway, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I wish you uh, a wonderful rest of your day and I hope to, to talk soon to you. Okay, see you later then. Bye-bye, Stephanie. Have a good day. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Stephanie Kiefer, everybody, um, leaving us with a rather bitter conclusion that the city she loves so much may not be the city she wants to be in anymore. Now, I've always been of the kind of mindset that if you really want to make something happen, you can. But there comes a moment that you're asking yourself whether the hustle is really worth it. And that not knowing how much and when you're going to get work can become quite tiring. I think the idea of a cooperative is also quite interesting. I know there's plenty of tour companies that already have a high level of participation among the guides. But to actually own a stake in the company, share in the profits and have a vote on how the business is run. I think these are admirable goals to strive for. I've put a link to the cooperative tour company in the show notes if you want to have a look at it. It's called Vief Berlin Tours. Also, Stephanie herself is involved in a whole bunch of fun activities. Writing a blog, working on a project called the Museum of Colors. All information is in the show notes. Have you ever looked at the show notes before? Because you should. We always try to put interesting links about the people or the conversations out there for you helps to put the conversations a bit more into context. So have a look at your podcast player and click away. Next week, we're back with five more tour guides from Berlin. And then I'm going to take a week off or something like that, spice things up a little bit, and then start presenting the perspectives of guides all over the world. And I mean, all over the place, Australia, Panama, Canada, Israel, Poland, and many, many more places. If you know of anybody I definitely need to have on the show, let me know. Send me a message at thelowseasonpodcast at gmail.com and I'll get right back at you. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork by Sergio Mabrias. Georgia Riungu is an amazing human being. For now, have a wonderful weekend. Speak to you soon, my friends. This volcano in Iceland, we were doing like a huge cloud and there was no plane, so nobody came. I mean, there is every, almost every year there is, a, there is a sort of crisis and we are, we are the first uh, touch. So 